Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste Namaste This evening on page 94 we're going to discuss the highest meaning of the goddess the Devya Atharva Shirsham. Now Shirsha is the head or the ultimate, the summit, the, the top and Atharva is, is the, the name of Shiva and it's also a meaning the meaning, uh, uh, he's a rishi, and the highest meaning of the, gar, uh, uh, of the goddess. So uh, we're, we're going to discuss <coughs> all the gods collected near the goddess and with great respect asked of the great goddess, who are you? <laughs> and she replied, I am the intrinsic nature of consciousness, from me, both nature and consciousness have taken birth, this world of true existence and untrue appearance. It's untrue because it changes. And that which is true is always the same. So she says, I am true existence and untrue appearance, because appearance is in constant state of evolution. And she is the intrinsic nature. She is both Shiva and Shakti. And here she says, both nature and consciousness have become manifest or taken their birth from me. I am the form of bliss and blisslessness. <laughs> I am the form of the wisdom of unity and lack of wisdom as well. I am the capacity of understanding what is Brahma, the Supreme Consciousness, and what is not Brahma. I am the great elements of existence, Kshiti, Aptej, Morbon, Earth, Water, Fire, Air, and Ether, as they unite in forms and in their ununited individual aspects as well. So when they are together, they produce a form. And when they're separate, they're just individual constituent elements of creation, and I'm present in both. I am this entire perceivable universe. I am the wisdom of eternal harmony. And I am a lack of wisdom, the stupidity of foolish kids. I am knowledge and I am ignorance. I am unborn and again I take birth. I am above and below and even beyond. I travel with the relievers of sufferings, with the finders of wealth, with the sons of enlightenment, and also with all gods. This is the verse from the Devi Shukta, Rig Vedoktam Devi Shukta, after the 13th chapter. I hold the law of friendship and equanimity, the rule of the pure and the light of meditation and the divine urge to union. I perform the functions of great devotion and creative intelligence, searchers for truth and the wealth of realization. I perform the functions of the all-pervading consciousness, the creative capacity and the Lord of Being. 
I give wealth to the sacrificer who presses out the offering of devotion with attention. Uh, there's a beautiful analogy here where it's like we press the somaras, we grind them with a seal nora, with two stones, and we make them into a juice. In the same way, we press out the offering of devotion with attention. I am the queen, the united mind of the guardians of the treasure, the supreme consciousness of those who are offered sacrifice. I give birth to the supreme father of this all. My creative energy is in the waters of the inner ocean. And for such a one who knows this, the wealth of the goddess increases. So that inner ocean is, a, we have the samsara samudra, the ocean of all, all objects and all relations. And, and then we've got the inner ocean, which is the ocean of our own consciousness. So we've got the contained consciousness and the infinite consciousness. It's like the akash. We call it gut akash, the space inside the container, and maha akash, the space outside the container. What's the difference between the space in the container and the space outside the container? The only difference is the container. Space is space. So there's no difference in the quality of the contents except the definition this is contained and this is uncontained. The same is true of the waters of the inner ocean. The entire microcosm is a reflection of the macrocosm. So, for such a one who knows this, that means boy or girl, the wealth of the goddess increases. And then the gods reply, we bow to the goddess, to the great goddess, to the energy of infinite goodness at all times we bow. We bow to nature, to the excellent one with discipline. <coughs> we have bowed down. We didn't bow down with a lack of discipline. We bowed down by maintaining our discipline. We take the refuge of she who is of the nature of fire. That is, she purifies everything she touches. You illuminates the light of wisdom in meditation. The bestower of the fruits of all actions, the goddess Durga, the reliever of all difficulties, to the destroyer of all thoughts, we bow down to you. The gods have offered forth many loving vibrations to the goddess. In fact, all the loving vibrations that we have, we're offering to you. All living beings call her the form of the universe. May she, who is like the cow granting all desires, Kamadenu, uh, the, the, the cow granting all desires, the, the denu, the cow, who fulfills all kama, giver of bliss and strength, the form of all sound, may that ultimate goddess being pleased with our hymns present herself before us. Come on, Ma. 
We're calling you. Come, present yourself. We bow to the time of darkness. We already sang the Rathri Shuktam. To she who is praised by the creative capacity, that was the, 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 the stuti from Brahma in chapter 1. To the energy of universal consciousness, to the mother of divinity, to the spirit of all-pervading knowledge, to the mother of enlightenment, to the daughter of ability, to the energy of goodness. You got a lot of names indicative of a lot of qualities and characteristics. We bow to every one of your attributes. We know the goddess Mahalakshmi. And we meditate upon she who embodies all energy. May that goddess grant us increase in wisdom. That's the true wealth. She is the, the great luxury, the great goal, the great definition. May she give us the great wisdom. <laughs> now ability, your daughter, the mother of enlightenment, has taken birth, and also the excellent gods, <coughs> excuse me, the excellent gods of eternal bliss. Now here's a very familiar mantra. Each word in the mantra is representative of a syllable, and each syllable comes joins together with the other syllables to make the supreme Sri Vidya. Desire is the syllable Ka. The womb of creation is A. The lotus Lakshmi is E. She, with a thunderbolt in her hand, is La. And the cave is Rim. The letters Hassa and the emancipated Lord of Wind is Ka, Hassaka. And the atmosphere is Ha, the rule of the pure is La. That's Indra's speech. Again the cave Hrim, Hassaka Halla Hrim. And the letters Sakala. Sakala. And Maya is also Rim. And this is the root of the knowledge of the Divine Mother. Ka-e-i-la-rim. Ha-sa-ka-ha-la-rim. Sakala-rim. In the olden days, the rishis would give their disciples a mantra. And it would say, Kamo yoni kamala vajrapanir. Guha hasa matrisvam bamandra punar guha sakala mayayacha purushcha vishwamata vividyom and they say go meditate on this mantra and tell me what it means <laughs> and the disciples would go off and they would meditate and sometimes they would meditate for a long time before they understood this. This actually meant Ka-e-i-la-rim Ha-sa-ka-ha-la-rim Sri-vidya 
the knowledge of Sri. The Vidya of Sri. Sha means Shanti, Ra means your mind, E means your heart. The knowledge of the highest respect where you can pay attention with complete peace in your mind and in your heart. Sri Vidya. Now, if in the causal body we have Ka-e-il-rim, as it descends to manifested existence from the causal body, we have cause wisdom, the ultimate objective dissolution. It's Tamaguna, it's the goddess of darkness. She exposes the light. A, desire, creation, Rajaguna. E, action, preservation, Sattvaguna. So you've got uh, in uh, uh, Ka, you've got uh, uh, Mahakali, the cause, darkness, uh, Tamoguna, A is Mahalakshmi, desire, I, I'm sorry, Mahasarasvati, desire, and Rajaguna, and uh, E is action, and uh, Palin Shakti, Mahalakshmi, uh, Sattvaguna, La is manifestation, Rim is the Maya, the Maya Vedanta, the one looking to the one. There's only one. Dvitiyam Namamapra. There is not a second one beyond the one. In the subtle body, we come, Ha is the divine eye. Ishwar, Purusha. Om Hong Rudra Devaya Namaha. Om Hang Hanamate Rudratmakaya Humpatswa Sa is that Hamsa that Prakriti. If Ha is I, which means consciousness, then Sa is that or nature. If Ha is Purush, then Sa is Prakriti. Hamsa. You put them together and they make so hum. So hum is the mantra. I am all of this. It's the mantra of pranayama. So hum. The mantra of pranayama is so hum. All of this is I. I am all of this. And from so home we become hamsa, and then that hamsa is the the bird, the the, the 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 swan of discrimination. He separates the milk from the water, and he takes only the milk, and he leaves the water, and he flies on high until he becomes a paramahamsa, and then he becomes a supreme swan, a great swan of the great soul of great discrimination who flies on high who unites Purush and Prakriti. Hasakatha Larima Ka is Swa, it's heaven. Ha is Bua, is atmosphere. And La is Bur, Umbur, Bua, Swa. Ka, Ha, La. The earth, the atmosphere, and the heavens. Hrim. Maya. The one looking to the many. That's all of us looking to the one. And the one, the many looking to the one. 
Though all of us are looking to the one and the one looking to all of us. The relationship between creation and the creator. And in the gross body, sakalarim. Sakala means all. So, sa is all. Ka, objectives, desires, goals. La, of individual manifestations. Ring. Maya is the Maya of Shankya. The many looking to the many, forgetting about the one. Never gross. <laughs> gross. So the many looking to the many, forgetting about the one, is the Maya of Shankya philosophy. This is Prakriti. We're all involved in this worldliness. And the object will be to discriminate which is Purush. How do we extricate ourselves from worldliness and remember the Supreme Soul? The Maya of Tantra in the subtle body is the one looking to the many. That's the mother of all of her creation, all of her children, and the many looking to the one mother. And the Maya Vedanta in the causal body is the one in harmony with her own self. So this is how the code works. Each word is reduced to its abbreviated form as a bead mantra. Where, where we are we going to stay? Which Maya are we going to stay? Well, there are three forms of Maya. We're, we're going to continue to dance. Om Amrim Klim We're going to dance between the three forms of Maya. When we come into the gross body, we go into the subtle body, we go to the causal body, and then we come back. And this. This is a yatra, a pilgrimage that we are continually taking. Why are we not staying one? Oh, we can't. No, no one can. Not Brahma, not Vishnu, not Siva. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Even Shiva is getting married. Huh? Shiva married Par Parvati. Uh, he left his unity with the one and became united with two so that they could protect the entire sansara of many. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. So if Shiva does it, yeah. if Brahma does it, if Vishnu does it, if Srima does it, then why shouldn't the rest of us? Yeah. But we should be aware as we do it. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, we must maintain our awareness. We are dancing on the stage of consciousness according to her nature because that's her nature. We can't tell her not to, to, to change her nature. That's why we say niti. It's not this and it's not that. It's, it's her nature. So this, the unity of all the bijas, all the seeds, spells out the Sri Vidya, the knowledge of the ultimate prosperity, the knowledge of the highest respect, the knowledge of the perfection of peace in your mind and in your heart, how God sees himself, how God sees the world and the world sees God, and how the world sees the world. The three forms of Maya. Maya as illusion. I'm seeing all of this duality. And it's an illusion which obscures the reality. Maya as the universal body of nature. There she is, the mother of the universe. 
Maya as the one consciousness in harmony with her own self. In the Nitya Shodashi, uh, Shorashi Karnavana, another interpretation was offered. And they said, it's Shiva and Shakti of undifferentiated form that we had in Ka'e. The potentiality of Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, creative maintaining and dissolving capacities of consciousness. The form of Saraswati, Lakshmi, and Gauri, Raja, Sattva, and Tamaguna, knowledge, action, and desire. The capacity of the impure, mixed, and pure spiritual discipline. The unity of existence of Shiva and Shakti. The intrinsic nature of Brahma, the supreme consciousness, bestower of supreme wisdom beyond thought or form, manifesting all the principles, the great threefold beauty. It is. It really is. <laughs> all the three gunas, oh, all the qualities, all the attributes, all the forms of maya. And this is a bhava-art or purport of the mantra. The meaning according to the intensity of intuition as per the development of a spiritual, of an aspirant's discipline. Like, how do you, how do you feel? According to your discipline, what you've done so far, you've been in it for a year, you've been in it for five years, you've been in it for 30 years, you've got to feel it a little bit differently. And so the Bob art is how do you feel that you're individually. And the mantra is defined in six different ways according to the intensity of intuition. That's the bhavart, the spoken meaning, bachart, the meaning according to the schools of philosophy, that's the darshanart, according to the monastic, or monastic order, that's sampradaya art, the secret, me secret meaning, that's the gupta art, and the meaning according to the principles, that's tattvart. And the definition we have presented purports to be an accurate rendition of the secret meaning and is also in conformity with the principles of the Tantra Tattvas. What is the Gupta meaning? Gupta, you have to find that. No one can tell you the Gupta art. The hidden meaning is something that you have to go inside your own secret place and find that hidden meaning in your own experience. You can't verbalize the guptart. You can only experience it. Tell me, what does it feel to be like? Uh, what does it feel like to be in love? Yeah. Yeah. What does it feel like? Tell me what it feels like to eat mother's spice. <laughs> How sweet is the sweet? Tell me, is it a little sweet or is it very sweet? Make me taste it. There are certain things that words fail to communicate. And the Gupta art is one of them. This is the energy of the universal soul. This is the delusion of the world. This is she who holds in her forearms the net, the curved sword, the bow and arrow. This is the great Sri Vidya, the great knowledge of ultimate prosperity. One who understands this may never sorrow again. If you see her meaning in everything you do, in every action, in every thought, if you see her bhavana, you will never be sorry again. You won't be sad. You'll be in love all the time. Oh, 
Can I get the blessing? No, I'm waiting for you to give me the blessing. <laughs> oh, Bhagavati, Empress of the Universe, we bow to you. Oh, Mother of the Universe, protect us in every way. And the seer of the mantra says, she is the eight forms of wealth. She is the eleven relievers from suffering. So she's Ashta Nidibyo. She's Ekadasarudrebyo. She is the twelve sons of enlightenment. She's the Adityas. She is all gods who drink the nectar of devotion, and she is those who do not. So if you drink the Amrit or you don't drink the Amrit, she's there too. She is the lowest concerns of the minds. The thoughts, the confusions, the conflicts. She's also good spirits and attainments of perfection. She is truth and light, activity and rest. She is the form of Brahma, Vishnu, and Rudra. She is the Lord of beings, the rule of the pure, the manifestation of reason. She is the planets and the light of the stars. She is the form of time and its division. We constantly bow down to her. She's everything. Everything that exists in thought or in action, whether true or untrue, is her. So we bow down to her with every thought and every movement. To she who destroys confusion, especially to the positive mother, to she who destroys confusion, to the grantor of enjoyment and liberation, who resides within, giver of victory without flaw or imperfection, the true competent refuge, bestower of welfare and the energy of infinite goodness, to that goddess continually we bow down. <laughs> now here's another magical formula. And this comes from that form of Tantra where we we learn to weave the applications of the mantras into the meaning of life. So we said the first word is atmosphere, and its bij mantra is ha. The set plus the letter e, and the divine fire, which is the light of meditation. That's his bij mantra is ra, ha ra e. And Anushwar, and that's the beautiful ornament of the goddess, the seed mantra that accomplishes all objectives, that is Maya Beej, the Beej mantra of all existence, ha ra e Green. who meditates upon this one-syllable deity, his consciousness or her consciousness becomes pure. He becomes filled with the ultimate bliss and he becomes the ocean of wisdom. Now, here comes another mantra. Bhag, uh, her, all vibrations are sounds. Her Bhagdevi is Saraswati. Her mantra, her Bij mantra is Aim. Maya, her beach mantra is ring. The ultimate objective is clean. Six letters forward from ka. Ka, ka, ga, ga, nya, cha, 
Oh, cha is the sixth letter. Forward from ka. Plus a means a. Cha. The sun is mo. The letter of the right ear. Ungnamo, ungnamo, ingnamo, ingnamo, ungnamo. Right ear. Ooh. Ah. Cha, ma, u, chamu. Plus anuswar, chamu. From ta, three letters forward. Ta, ta, da, chamunda. Plus the seed mantra of Narayan. Ah, chamunda. Vayu seed mantra is ya. Plus a. It's Chamundae and Vichye. This is the Mabarna Mantra which gives meditators the highest bliss and unites them in the being of the Supreme Reality. The actual initiation in the, the Mabarna Mantra was given Bhagmaya Brahmasustasmat Shashtang Bhaktrasman Bhitam Suryobhamasrotabindu Sanyutashta tritiyaka Narayanina sanmisro Bayushcha daryuktatha Bichinabarnakurna san Mahananda dayaka Figure it out, guys. <laughs> Go home and meditate and when you know what this means, come back and tell me and then you get initiation. That is the initiation of the Navarna Mantra. When you can figure out what this means and how it works and how it applies to your life and how it's going, this knowledge is going to change you. When you understand this meaning and its application, then you get to meditate on the highest bliss and unite in the being of the Supreme Reality. That's the initiation. So much ascent. Yes, Mother. Who resides in the lotus of the heart, whose radiance is like the luster of the rising sun, who holds in her hands the net and the curved sword of beautiful appearance, and who shows the mudras bestowing fearlessness and granting boons, displaying three eyes wearing a red cloth or a yellow cloth with a red border, who fulfills the desires of devotees, that goddess I worship. I bow to you, I bow down to you, the great goddess, the great destroyer of all fear, the great reliever of all difficulties, the form of the great bestower of compassion. And this is one of the great verses of all Sanskrit poetry. Whose intrinsic nature Brahma and other divinities cannot know and therefore she is called unknowable. <laughs> whose end cannot be found, and therefore she is called infinite, whose definition cannot be defined, and therefore she is called undefinable, whose birth cannot be understood, and therefore she is called unborn, whose presence is everywhere, and therefore she is called the one, 
who alone is the active principle in the form of the universe and therefore she is called the many. And therefore, she is called unknowable, infinite, undefinable, unborn, one and many. <laughs> in Sanskrit, it's really glorious. Yes, Therefore, she is called unknowable, infinite, undefinable, unborn, one and many. She contains the entire universe within her. She is the reconciliation of all opposites. She's, she is the unity of all diversity. O oh, Goddess, you reside in all mantras in the form of letters, in all words in the form of wisdom and meaning. In wisdom you reside as the bliss of consciousness, and in silence you reside as the ultimate silence beyond which no greater exists. There you are known by the name of Srima, <laughs> the reliever of difficulties. I bow to the reliever of difficulties, to the goddess who destroys confusion. Please get to work. Who destroys all inappropriate conduct, who takes us across the sea of objects and relationships free from fear who studies this highest meaning just like we're doing right now. We are studying this high. What does this meaning mean? Who studies this highest meaning receives the fruit of five complete recitations. Lucky us. <laughs> who does not understand the highest meaning but installs a deity for worship, he may recite millions of mantras, but his worship will be without attainment. If you don't know why you're establishing that deity, if you don't believe who she is and you're establishing her anyway, if you don't understand the purpose and the goal and the objective of establishing your deity, then you're, you're, you can recite millions of mantras. It'll be without any, any result. If you understand, immediately comes fulfillment. If you don't understand what you're doing and you have no concept of what you're doing, you have no goal and no process and no path, no sun cult, then you can chant until the cows come home at night and it won't make any difference. He may recite millions of mantras, but his worship will be without attainment. The system of fire worship with these mantras requires 108 oblations. If you sing this at the fire and offer 108 times oblations for every mantra, uh, then you achieve who you'll achieve? Siddhi. Purusharan Siddhi. 
you achieve perfection. Who will recite these mantras ten times will be immediately freed from all sin. I mean, you got to understand them and, and, and listen to them and, and recite them, but I, I, every stupid thing you did in your life will be forgotten immediately. And with the grace of the great goddess, all terrible difficulties will be alleviated. Who recites these mantras in the night will be freed from all sins committed during the day. Who recites these mantras in the morning will be freed from all sinning, sins committed during the night. Who recites both in the day and in the night will be free from all sin? When will you have time to do stupid things? <laughs> Who recites at midnight? Four times of worship are recommended for Sri Vidya meditators. Will attain the perfection of auspicious vibrations. Who recites before a new image of the goddess will attain her proximity. If it is recited at the time of establishment of life within a deity, life will be established. When you do pranpratishta, then you recite the Vedi Atharvashirsham. If, if you recite it before the goddess in the astrological yoga, the union of eternal attainment, the Amrita Siddhi yoga, that's an astrological configuration. It's one of the uh, nakshatras that presides, Amrita Siddhi Yog, then the great death is avoided. Who understands this avoids the great death? Let's talk about the great death. Because a small death is the death of the body. The great death is being a servant of the ego eternally. <laughs> now that's really a great death. <laughs> to be subjected to egotism and attachment and, and all the servitude to all the generals and the army of the Greek great ego eternally that is the great death that means daksha was like yeah and also but daksha got cured from his great death yeah, yeah because he, he 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 was a servant of the ego uh, but he wasn't always a servant of the ego he did tapasya to have sati as his daughter then he wasn't servant of the ego and but he became servant of the ego and then he, he cultivated enmity with Shiva. And he said, that no good dope-smoking hippie who always sits naked under a tree getting stoned, he's not fit to be the husband of my daughter. My daughter's a princess, and she will reside in a palace. Why will she reside under a tree with that no good naked stoned hippie? Even if she loves him, who cares? <laughs> Let her fall in love with somebody else. And Daksha got, uh, looked for ways to put Shiva down to prove that Shiva was not a, the, a good husband for Sati. And he's not God. And he's not God. <laughs> oh, yeah. So who understands this avoids the great death? Not just a little death when Shiva comes and cuts off your head. Because she, after Shiva cut off Daksha's head, he put the head of a goat on Daksha's body. And Daksha realized he was pretty stupid. <laughs>
<laughs> and he was filled with remorse. And he did tapasya the rest of his life. Yeah. This is the Upanishad. Upa Ashama. This is what you get for sitting near. This is when you sit near to the source of wisdom and light and inspiration. This is the Upanishad. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha. Namaste. 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 Let's see if there are any questions. Lots of questions. I doubt it. But I see one hand, Sadatmananda. Yeah, what's the connection to the Sri Vidya mantra and the Chandi? It seems like it's kind of secretly in here. Yes, it is. Yes. Chandi weaves its web through Sri Vidya. The Navarna Mantra and the Kadi Mantra are very closely related because Kae Ilarim, Hasakalarim, Sakalarim. We have the three Gunas, we have the three Goddesses, we have the gross body, the subtle body, and the causal body, and Aimarim Klim are in constant transformation, in constant movement, in the paradigm of reality, of all that is knowable as perceived by consciousness, in the Shambhiche. Aimring Klim Chamundai, they are moving in the head of the Sambit, all that is knowable, perceived by consciousness. So here is another expression in Kadi Vidya is Navarnavidhi. So Navarnavidhi is part of Sri Vidya and Navarna Mantra is the Mool Mantra of the Chandi. So the Chandi Pat is one of the primary scriptures of Sri Vidya. It is the essence of Sri Vidya. How do you control your ego and its attachments? How do you put too much and too little into balance so you can recognize and remember what is my purpose? What is my goal? When do I, how do, Mother of the Universe, wake up, wake up us to your divine grace. How do I remember? How do I cut down all those repus, all those limitations? Kam, krod, mo, moda, matsajya. How do I put all of those limitations where they belong? At the feet of the Divine Mother. So I can remember that it is she who permeates all of creation. On every level of creation, in the continual transformation, all, it's all related. Yes, please. We have a question from Sadhana Shakti in Seattle. Namaste, Sadhana Shakti. Welcome back to Napa. <laughs> Pranam. On page 99, it says the capacity of impure mixed in pure spiritual discipline. What does the impure spiritual discipline mean? By I, the way, we missed, we missed you as soon as we left yesterday. Vivekananda adds, yes, we missed you badly. Swarupananda adds, so bad. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> We're missing you very much too. So fun to have you in the front row. Uh, let me share with you what impure sadhana, impure spiritual discipline could entail. If I do sadhana trying to 
correct somebody else's karma. If I do sadhana with selfish interest, if I do spiritual discipline to fix you instead of to fix me, I'm not quite pure in my discipline. I have an attachment. I have a, a, a desire. I have a goal for my selfish benefit. Say I want to make money. I'm going to chant the chandi for you and I'm going to get, you're going to pay me and I'm going to use my prayer to the goddess which is so pure and so strong that you're going to want to pay me money so that I change your karma. This is impure sadhana, impure discipline. Now, if I'm praying for the welfare of the world, this is pure. If I'm praying for myself to become pure or to be corrected so that I can become pure, this is a pure sadhana. Sometimes we have mixed motives, and that's the pure and the mixed and the impure. Like the king who says, I'm going to sing the chandi, I want you to kill my enemies. Well, singing the chandi is pure, but killing the enemies, <laughs> why don't you just make peace? <laughs> why kill my enemies? Or the priest who says, I'm going to sing the chandi for money, that's my livelihood. That happening all the time. I'm sorry, it's happening in America. There are websites now that promise you Vedic yajnas for, for a fee, and we'll, we'll do the yajna for you, and we'll take your money, and we'll send you blessings and change your karma. Because you sent us money, we're going to change your karma. Because of our blessings, you won't get the fruit of your karma. There, I mean, there are websites. I get an email every week from people saying, give me money and I'll change your karma. <laughs> you will change my karma. You'll make me that much money shorter. <laughs> You'll make me that much more impoverished. <laughs> that will change my karma. You'll send me back to work so I can send you more money. That is impure. If I say, I'm going to teach you how to do the yajna yourself, so you can do it yourself, and actually most of the people who say, would you please give a, do the puja for me? I say, you know, the best puja is the one you do for yourself. <laughs> so why don't you take, buy a book? <laughs> it's cheaper than buying a puja. <laughs> or if you can't afford the book, let me know. <laughs> We'll send it to you. Or you can get most of the information online. Somebody, if somebody say to you, somebody you pray for me. I do. You, you do all the time. I always do. Uh, yeah, we do all the time that. Yes. Without telling anything to anybody. And if they give you money with love, that is bad? No, that's called dakshina. And dakshina is something different than a business transaction. Dakshina is something I want to give you as a, t a demonstration of my love and respect for you. I want to empower you to keep doing what you're doing. So I'm making this offering to you. It was not solicited. It wasn't an agreement. You're not paying the rent. You're not paying a fee. I'm not levying a tax on you. It's, it's not a requirement. That's the greatest blessing when you feel to give dakshina. Mm -hmm. 
Now, if I say, I'm going to chant these mantras for you in order to change your karma, and I want this much money from you in order to change my karma. <laughs> There's ego bound. There's ego bound, and I am not pure. That is not a pure, that's a business transaction. And that is not pure sadhana. Pure sadhana says, I'm going to pray for you just to give you my blessings. And if you feel to give something to the temple, go ahead. If you feel to support us in what we're doing, go ahead. We welcome it. We appreciate it. We appreciate more the offering of your love. It's not contingent upon the amount of money that you give. We have a related question from Ambika. Namaste Ambika Ma! I understand what you are saying about mantras for money, but what about people who, people who are unable to chant for themselves? Can we chant for them with successful oh, results? Yeah. Absolutely, we just said, we'll send you blessings. <laughs> of course. Absolutely you can. We'll send you blessings, it's not the transaction. It's not, I'm not doing it for money. I mean, you go into many temples and you'll find you got to buy a ticket before you can make the puja. You, you, you go into many temples today and you have to have, the pujari isn't allowed to accept money. The, the tr trustees of the temple sell tickets. And you go take your ticket and your tray of puja ingredients to the pujari and he waves a candle over and he burns some camphor and he throws some flowers and gives you uh, some prasad and a tilak and says, okay, you have your puja. <laughs> That's transactional. That is impure worship. That is an example of the impurity of sadhana. Yes, please. Is there a relationship between the syllables of the, um, it's the Kadi mantra, right? Yes. Between the Kadi mantra and the, the um, evolution of the nine Durgas? No. Mm. No, they're, they are not specifically related. They, I mean, they're related because they're all part of the Divine Mother and they're all part of Sri Vidya and they're all part of the worship of the, the female form. But there is no specific correspondence between the letters of the Kadi Mantra and the Nine Duryas. There are 15 letters in the Kadi Mantra. There are 15 letters in the Hadi Mantra. And the Kahadi Mantra has 16 letters. And she embodies as the goddess Rashi. The 16, the body embodiment of the 16 lettered one. She is kaha e i la rim hasaka rim sakla rim. Yes, please. Oh, Mishu, is that is that the like uh, like the half Shiva half Shiva? Yes, Ardhanarishwar. Hara Parvati. Hara Hara. Hara Hari. No, it's not Hara Hara. No, Hara Parvati. Hara Hara Parvati. Yes. Is that a question or is that just an itch? Question. Okay. Um. If Saraswati is associated with, with um, Rajagun, yes. with desire, yes. and we tend to associate desire with the color red, so then why is Saraswati always depicted as white? Well, she, she and Lakshmi keep changing places. She is, um, uh, this is a, a, an excellent dichotomy you'll find in many, many scriptures. Sometimes Saraswati is Rajaguna and sometimes she's Satwaguna. 
But the Saraswati is definitely white. Lakshmi is definitely red. So they are two sisters. In some scriptures, uh, they change places. And uh, uh, Saraswati is the, the, the goddess of Sattva, and she's the goddess of knowledge. And Lakshmi is the goddess of Raja. And in other scriptures, she, Lakshmi is the goddess of pure being, and Saraswati is the goddess of becoming. So it just depends on what scripture. Don't get too attached yeah, to right. my definitions or to getting it right because the examination is, is life. The examination is life. It's a, you don't have to write this down for a test. And you'll go to another guru cool and you'll find it explained in another way. Or you'll read it in another scripture and it'll be explained in a different way. It doesn't really matter. They're all right. She's everything. It's one goddess who became everything. That's the important ingredient. Yeah. But it definitely, I have seen it many times in many different scriptures. Sometimes Saraswati is called the goddess of being, or Sattva, and Lakshmi is called the goddess of becoming, of, uh, of, of uh, uh, Rajas. In the Chandi, she's called the goddess of, uh, 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 Lakshmi is called the goddess of being, uh, of Sattva. Yes, please. We have a question from Nanda in San Jose. Namaste, Nandama! Does each kind of sadhana work only for some people? For example, even if anyone can chant the Chandi, will it only resonate and give benefit to some? Nanda... Probably we will gravitate to the gurus that reflect to us the type of sadhana, the type of bhavana, the type of attitude, the type of vibration which resonates with us. And that will be the type of sadhana that we will choose to do. Now certainly if you do any one sadhana you're going to end up in harmony with all the different sadhanas and if you come to the Devi Mandir and learn the cosmic puja you're going to sing to Ram, you're going to sing to Krishna, you're going to sing to everybody, every, every deity worth his or her salt. You're going to sing to them all and pray to them all and become one with them all and be empowered to be in harmony wherever you go. Now, other gurus may say that Sri Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead and all the others are demigods and therefore you should worship only Krishna or other such nonsense. We don't believe that. We believe there's only one God and she has become everything. The energy in all, in everything, is the one goddess. And she is both consciousness and she is nature. And therefore we worship life. We worship everything. We want you to learn and become familiar with every form of worship that's possible. In fact, we even do a Latin mass and we do Hebrew sanskars and we do we read in other languages and other traditions. We we have, are the most eclectic group of people. We've written books for Ram, for Krishna, for Shiva, for Ganesh, for for Durga, for Kali, for Lakshmi, for Saraswati, for and the beat goes on. We we've covered our bases. 
But our greatest love of our life is Chagbe. Because she is the goddess who embodies it all. She is the epitome of Sri Vidya. She is both Shiva and Shakti. She is beyond manifestation. She comes into manifestation through Ka'ilarim, Hasakalarim, Sakalarim. And she dances, dances through life on the stage of consciousness as a ring, ring, cling, and if we can get inspired by this form of worship, once we become efficient in this form of worship, we understand what is the cosmic puja, the worship of everybody. And then we can branch off into specialties and we'll sing, uh, we'll sing the Ramayana this weekend. And we'll sing the Sundar Khand on Navami. And we'll sing the Bhagavad Gita on, on Janamashtami. And we'll sing the Rudra Stadhyay. And we'll sing to all the forms of the goddess and the gods in the cosmic puja. Because we just love God. And we love the privilege of loving. <laughs> <laughs> It's fun! What else do you want to do with your life while you got a human body? Well, do you have something better to do? If you do, show me and I'll do it with you. We have a question from Moshami in Boulder. Namaste Moshami Ma! Pranam, will the infinite goddess kindly manifest herself in many finite forms to many devotees who are calling her at the time of the Sunday puja or will she manifest to one devotee at a time <laughs> no she is the energy in everything so she can manifest on everyone's altar at the same time if you choose if we have pure devotion she can show herself to us in any form we choose to see her so if we are worshipping her in the Shiva Lingam, then we can see her as Shiva. If we are worshipping her in the Murti of Sri Krishna, we see her as Krishna. If we worship her in the form of Sri Ma, we see her as the Guru and the Goddess. Sounds like a good name for a title for a book. Uh, yes, please. Is it, is it okay in the cosmic puja, once we get to the individual deity pujas at the back, to try and still visualize that we're offering to, to the same goddess in all of those forms? Sure. But you look and you meditate upon the individual form of each deity. And that's Chandi. And you can in, think that Gosha Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. It's Chandi. Vishnu's form is Chandi. Mahakali, Mahalakshmi, Mahasiraswati, they're all Chandi. Because they're all actually beyond form. Yes, Sadatmanam. Uh, I'm wondering if there's like a specific like timeline that this, uh, whatever, whatever this part no. is. No. Okay. No. No. She who is beyond time has no timeline. <laughs> okay. Yes, please. We have a question from Divya and Gorgon. Namaste Divya Ma! Is it that all one needs to do is show up with regularity and discipline and pure intention at the altar and sit in love and prayer and the path and understanding will be revealed by itself? Hence Purusha, Purusha Arth is the first part to receiving grace? 
Deepya, certainly we've got to show up, but we have to have a sankalp in order to show up. We have to have a motivation. We have to purify our intentions and motivate ourselves so that we come with regularity at the right time so that we can perform the worship. And then it's not just showing up, but it's showing up with a longing heart. I want to try to the best of my abilities to perform and practice these mantras. I want to learn and cultivate the knowledge. You are making an effort even every evening you come here, you come all the way to California from Gurgaon, and you come all the way to, to, to listen to the meanings of the Chandipat. That's an effort you're making. And I appreciate and respect that effort. So you have a motivation, you have a sankalpa, you have a discipline. You don't just show up, but you show up with a mind that's ready to absorb and a longing heart that desires to learn. And you want to increase or enhance your relationship with God. That's adharani, respectful respectful behavior. We have a question from Vivekananda. Namaste Vivek! How can we worship with the Soham Mantra? Uh, with Pranayama. And you can use um, Anulom Bilom. If you were to breathe in through the Ira, so... You can even close both nostrils and count the Nibbana Mantra ten times, holding your breath. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> and then exhale through the Pingala. Hum. with the Navarna Mantra and as you <coughs> practice 
your pranayama. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha. Namaste.